Hey everybody, James Arnold Taylor here, and you are listening to the great, big, beautiful podcast. Obi-Wan Kenobi has a good feeling about this. Affirmative. That was definitely an e-ticket. I can't believe all the new gadgets they've got now. For a while, we didn't even have a house phone, not to mention laser discs, high-def TV. You are listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. This week on the show. I mean, I've been a Star Wars fan forever, so it's the kind of situation where I have so much fun watching these shows. So as an example, uh, we came in on a Saturday, and we reviewed all the episodes in context for continuity. And it was the kind of thing where, even though it's for a younger audience, it's, it's a really good test to see that all of us, for like a good eight hours, never got like tired of watching our show. We were cracking up the whole time. <laughs> um, it is it is lighthearted, but it's very, very funny. But there are a lot of like, you know, good lessons in the stories as well. Welcome to another episode of the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us online at thegbbpodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube at thegbbpodcast. I am your host, Jamie Green. You can find me at the Roarbots. And joining me, it's Sherry again. Hello. <laughs> Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Today we're talking Star Wars, so I'm extra good. Yes, always. Always. Um, let's just jump in. Forget the small talk. Uh, Star Wars Resistance is premiering this weekend. Shiri and I got a little bit of a sneak preview at the first two episodes, which is a two-parter. So it's like an hour premiere event. It's two episodes. And so we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that before we go into the interview. I had the opportunity to talk to Athena Portillo, who was the executive producer, and Amy Beth Christensen, who is the art director of star wars resistance and we had a great conversation it was painfully a little bit too short we had 15 i had 15 20 minutes with them they were doing a bunch of different interviews for a bunch of outlets and uh, we had a great chat they the two of them have been around lucasfilm forever uh athena actually began as an intern way back when she was like fresh out of college and then she just moved up the ranks and uh, she had a Star Wars themed vanity license plate, which <laughs> Dave Filoni just saw uh, uh, on the lot. And he was like, who is that person and why is she not working on Star Wars? Because she was working on something else at the time. But speaking of Dave Filoni, I do have to mention, listen to the conversation uh, with Athena and Amy because uh, he makes a surprise guest appearance <laughs> in the middle of the interview. Uh, he just kind of stumbled into the room where we were recording. And uh, you can hear him in the background. He just kind of chats for a couple seconds and then, and then gracefully makes an exit. But it was fun. Anyway, it was a nice little surprise. So Star Wars Resistance, let's talk a little bit about this because we f- both literally just watched it. Mm-hmm. So we're both fresh right now. Uh, immediate reaction. Uh, very cute. Very family friendly. Um, I don't know that I'm going to get the same feels from it that I got from Rebels, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Um, I think it's part of the reason the Star Wars universe is great is because you can have 
it's so vast. You can have a lot of different experiences in it. And not a lot of it has been just lighthearted and fun. So I, I think that's, I don't mean to say that like it's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. And, you know, Rebels kind of started out that way and then got really heavy at the end. Um, I, I don't get the feeling that Resistance is going to do that. I could be wrong. Um, it's fine if it does, but I think it's also it's great if it doesn't. Yeah. So uh, as is the way, seemingly, with recent Star Wars fandom, there has been a lot of kickback to Resistance online. Nobody has seen it. I mean, just now people are starting to see it. Uh, but there was a very, I guess, knee-jerk negativity that arose when the show was first announced and we first started seeing some clips and some scenes because it was targeting that younger audience. And I think a lot of fans have now um, ex- come to expect Star Wars to be dark and gritty and and this has got to be for adults. It's got to be for us. And they've forgotten that it should, I think, ultimately target the little kids too. Well, and if you want the if you want your dark and gritty Star Wars to continue, then you need to bring a new generation of fans in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not going to, you're not necessarily going to, I mean, my kids, my kids have watched Clone Wars. My kids have watched Rebels. They've seen all the movies. Um, they even saw Rogue One, but you know, they're, they're young. They're six and, and almost nine. And I think if they're going to continue to love it, then it can't all be that dark. So if, if people want Lucasfilm, Disney, whoever to con- whoever you know, Disney's in charge ultimately I, at this point to continue to to produce what they want. They're gonna have to bring this new generation of fans in. So I liked it. I really did. I mean, I've seen you know, I have little kids also. I've seen my fair share of family friendly in quotes, you know, animation series that are that target the younger kids, and not all of it has to be. Um, you know, Teletubbies and, and Barney, you know, the, the, the stereotypical awful children's TV that just grates on adults' eyes. Right. And when I say cute, it's not saccharine. Like, it's not gross. Yeah. It's just yeah. cute. <laughs> I mean, funny. there is... The droids are funny, which is always yeah. important. It's got a lot of goofy humor. A lot of goofy you know, humor. But the character of Niku is very obviously the, the comedic heart so far. He's... The sidekick, but he's also the one that is, um, his character is very literal. He doesn't understand sarcasm. He doesn't understand metaphors. So whatever you say, he takes it very literally. And that's the the butt of a lot of jokes he, in the first episode. He's episodes. the child-friendly version of Drax. Exactly. And that was really important to people. That's a great analogy, actually. I didn't even think about that. You know, that that was important to a lot of, a lot of adults and teenagers and even younger kids who, um, especially are on the autism spectrum somewhere who are literal mm-hmm. um, and don't understand more metaphors to to connect with that character. So it will be, I think, a positive thing to have that represented in Star Wars along with um, the diversity of the cast in terms yeah. of they're not all white dudes and white brunettes. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so the show, as you said, is a little bit lighter than what we've come to expect from Star Wars, but also from Star Wars animation, which is a little bit ironic. So, but if we think back, Rebels and Clone Wars both started very family friendly. Mm-hmm. 
Now, if you go back to the beginning of the Clone Wars, go to the movie. You know, the movie is what kicked off the Clone Wars. So if you start there, if you remember now, I've seen probably the, the Clone Wars movie more than anything else of Clone Wars because my daughter was loved it. I mean, it's it's probably one of the worst two hours of the Clone Wars <laughs> or an hour and a half Ex- of the Clone except Wars. Except the last, like, six episodes, which are <laughs> awful. Sorry. But <laughs> I've seen it a lot. And the reason I saw it a lot is because when my daughter was younger and she was first watching it, she loved that whole storyline with Ahsoka and the little baby hut, uh-huh. you know, um, uh, Jabba's nephew, mm-hmm. and the little hutling. You know, he's just like a little slug that they're carry- she, Ahsoka carries in a backpack. And it's this whole goofy storyline where they're just trying to bring the little hutlet back to Jabba. Um, but that was very much targeting the preschool, kindergarten, first grade demographic. And if you go back to the beginning of Rebels, it is the same thing. You know, you've got these characters that are very much targeting younger viewers. It started off very harmless. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, we were looking for parents. We were looking, what happened? You know, oh, now I've fallen in with Rebels. And the galaxy wasn't hanging in the balance at that point. Right. You know, the the beginning of both of those series had very low stakes. And as they went on, the stakes developed. It got darker. I, I guess as the audience grew with the episode, grew with the show mm-hmm. season to season, they felt that it was safer to become a little bit more serious. Right. Although I would argue Clone Wars, the only reason I would argue Clone Wars starts a little more serious is because we all know what happened to Anakin in the end. But yes, I mean, even even when that whole very first storyline of of Obi-Wan telling him he's getting a Padawan and he gets this mouthy little Togruta, yeah. you know, and they have to learn how to coexist and ultimately become very close. That's mm-hmm. also v- valuable and interesting to children who are learning how to form friendships. Absolutely. Absolutely. But even with the Anakin angle... When Clone Wars first came out, we didn't know how far they were going to take the story. So we didn't, you know, are we going to see his transformation? Are we going to see any of that depth into the dark side? Where is this series going to end and how much of that are we we going to see? So I don't know that in the first season that was really playing into fans' perception of the show. Very true. Um, But Resistance, I mean, the reason we're, we're talking about those other two shows is because Resistance is also starting off with seemingly low stakes um it's it's like we said goofy humor targeting a much younger audience where it can go from here i don't know i mean i think this first season is going to be very much like this you know the the kind of things that we expect to see from disney jr and disney xd and you know poe dameron will stride in and be a cocky hero because this before he learns (laughs) um to not do that quite as much right so, but I think I think it's a really valid point that you made about growing with your audience because mm-hmm. there are a lot of book series that, you know, Percy Jackson, Harry Potter that did that and they mm-hmm. were all very successful. So, you know, you hook them when they're young and then you grow with them and then when that cycle is done, you start over. You know, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. Framing it in this the, with this type of conversation though, we keep saying, "Oh, we're targeting the younger audience." It's 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 got goofy humor. Don't misunderstand. It's still a very good show. Absolutely. I still enjoyed it. 
I will watch it with my kids. Mm-hmm. They're going to love it. They haven't watched the first two yet, but they're going to love it. And I and I'm really excited about where this is going to go. I think my only so I have two complaints, and they're both minor, um, and one of them will correct itself with a few more episodes. But in the first two episodes, we didn't get to meet the whole cast. Mm-hmm. So the first two episodes fo- focus mainly on our team Fireball, which is what they're calling it. So we've got Kaz and Yeager and Niku, which are they're pretty much, gonna, I think, going to be the three core characters. And the, oh, then there's the mechanic, mm-hmm. and I can't remember her. I, I can't, can't remember, remember her name either. I'm sorry. Um, and then, so like all of the ace pilots, there's five ace pilots that you saw in the the Star Wars video that they were touting, you know, the promotional video. We meet one of them in the second episode. Uh, it, it would have been cool to have at least seen them or heard them at some point, yeah. but I know, you know, I'm not going to tell them how to tell the story. That's, we will get them when we get them. So that's a minor complaint. Also, not in love with the music. Yeah. I, I will agree with the music for sure because I I noticed immediately when they brought in the main Star Wars theme because I was like oh finally mm-hmm. yeah um and that's something that they did a lot of work on in Rebels and something that made it really strong was the music the Rebels had amazing music it really did uh, even Clone Wars had really good music uh, so Resistance. There's no opening credits. It's uh, it's just got the title sequence, which is probably about eight seconds. Will there be opening credits, though? I don't think so. I mean, Rebels didn't have opening credits. That is true. So it's got like that seven second title card with a like a, an orchestral fanfare, which I guess is their main theme. It's not I, I can't even hum it at this point. And then over the end credits, it comes back and then there's just sort of a a theme, a tune. It's not, it's original. It's not the star Wars theme, but it's, I don't like to say bad things about star Wars, but it's like, it's forgettable to me at this point. You know, the music did not stand out to me in these first two episodes. It only stood out to me for its lack of not, it's lack of standing out. Like, you know, I was like, Oh, what's the music going to be like? And then I heard it and I was like, Oh, I like, I felt a little bit let down with that. And the music during the episode, I mean, it's there, you know, you're not going to notice it. Except for when the Star Wars theme kicks uh-huh. in, and that only happened once, I think, yep. in the in the first two episodes. Yep, is in the at the like the middle of the second episode. Oh yeah, music music can change and develop like characters, so there's nothing to say that this is going to be the music forever. That's true, and you know, music is also a good way to stake your own territory. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and differentiate yourself from what came before. If they had the same composer and the same music as Rebels, it would draw a lot of comparisons right. that they probably don't want. Right. So I understand it. I get why they're doing something different. It's just to me, it it wasn't as me- memorable as I was hoping for. But again, minor complaint: the animation style. People have been calling it anime. I, it's I not really. I don't really find it anime Mm -mm. it's just it just it looks different from the other series it's too sharply defined to be anime kind or it's too round (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) i don't know how to describe it exactly but it's anime is usually a little more angular i feel like and people's hair is like spiky and doesn't move and yeah this was a little (laughs) more a little more lifelike than anime I mean, not photorealistic or anything like that. Who wants that in animation? But also, it you can see the the progress of computer animation kind of through the Star Wars animated series, which is neat. 
leaving off that original Clone Wars, um, you know, the first Clone Wars is very, like, everyone either has their arms down at their sides or folded because mm-hmm. the computer couldn't do arms and people walk. It's very jagged. Um, and then Rebels, you can tell that had advanced because, like, Kanan's ponytail would move. Mm-hmm. Um and then this is just that the action is much more natural is what I'm trying to say very poorly. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Um, I, I thought it was funny. Well, not funny. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it struck me that this is probably the closest we're going to get to a pod racing series that we're ever going to get. It felt very much like pod racing. This mm-hmm. is like this. So, so to set this up, um Kaz is sent on a mission from Poe. They end up on this planet where there's a big floating fortress where people live and work, but it's also the playground of like the, the best pilots in the galaxy. And some of those pilots, the ace pilots, live there and they race. And it's 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 a racetrack, basically. And they race through these big circular um, discs in the sky. If you've ever played Pilot Wings, like for the old Super Nintendo, and I think they made one for Nintendo 64, it was one of my favorite games. Uh, it was very much like Pilot Wings. Um, set in the Star Wars universe. But once Kaz you know, starts racing, you know, it's, it's all about making the bets and finding the parts and going to the junk shops and then racing. And it felt very much like the Phantom Menace. It really did. I haven't seen the Phantom Menace in so long. It felt very like, you know, like Anakin had to find the parts for the, the pod racer that he built. And then, you know, Qui-Gon went around with Watto and they made all the bets and they, he's like, he's the best, he's the best pilot, the best pod racer pilot. And then, I mean, even down to on your mark, set, go, and then everybody else takes off off the starting line and Anakin's engine stalls and he's like, whoa, and he's he's still sitting at the starting line and then finally it kicks in and goes. You remember this, right? I do remember this, yeah. (laughs) Okay. The exact same thing happens in, in Resistance. You know, he's, Kaz is racing one of the ace pilots, you know, bing, 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 she takes off. His his engine stalls out and he just starts falling. I mean, it's it's almost <laughs> and I, I have to believe they did this on purpose. I have to believe that these are it's it's it, are we at the point where we can make a loving homage to the Phantom Menace or or uh, <laughs> uh, maybe also a little joke about it. Okay, or maybe, maybe. <laughs> Give them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but I was, you know, and I was thinking, like, if The Phantom Menace had been better received, would this have been a pod racing episode instead of a, mm. a starfighter racing? I don't know. I feel like with starfighter racing, you know, maybe they can bring in some other characters at some point. Because mm-hmm. this is... Is this and they can go? They can go places. Pod right. racers, like you're going to be stuck wherever you are. Is this supposed to be pre Force Awakens? Yes. So Resistance takes place just a few months before the Force Awakens. Okay, so hypothetically, you know, Han could drop by, and you know, there are some other characters they can bring in for fun with Hera. Oh, I didn't even think about that. So, and they will. So Oscar Isaac is in the first episode. Um, he comes back as Poe. I believe they've announced that Gwendolyn Christie is going to be back as Phasma. And th- I saw some other names, uh, various places, other websites reporting. None of those are confirmed. 
But when I talked to Athena and Amy, they both said that, yes, other familiar voices will definitely be coming by. Cool. So, yeah, who those people will be is still up in the air. You know who does who did animated Han for uh, Forces of Destiny was AJ Lacasio, who does Lotor for Voltron. So that would be fun if they got him to do it. He, he that did, would be fun. It was pretty good. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna stop talking. We're both fans of the show. Yes, I would say, absolutely. right? And I can't, like you said, I can't wait to watch it with my kids because yeah, I can already hear them laughing at mm-hmm. a lot of the sight gags that they will think is are hilarious. So yeah, absolutely. We like it. We give it thumbs up. I can't wait to see more. I can't wait to watch it with my kids. And I like as we said, this takes place a few months before the Force Awakens. But one thing I made a point to ask. Athena and Amy about was, you know, I didn't, without spoiling anything, was The Force Awakens like their end point or were they planning beyond mm-hmm. that? Like, could, were they seeing these characters going beyond that film or was that film sort of like, that's their wall. They have this time frame to tell their story and that's, that's, they can't go beyond that. And they said that they are definitely thinking beyond The Force Awakens. And that's another nice thing about the universe is, you know, stuff slots in when they weren't sure about Rebels Season 4, you know, and then it happened, they put the ghost in Rogue One. So, you know, it's another nice... I'm sure it's somebody's job to plot all this continuity stuff and keep an eye on it. I would love that job. If you're ever hiring, I will take that job. (laughs) (laughs) There was a nice spaceship cameo in the first episode, Mm -hmm. though. I was happy about yep. that. And we're just going to leave it at that. You guys watch the show. Enjoy watch it. Watch the show. It, it pre- premieres this weekend. Enjoy it. If you got kids, sit them down. They're going to love it. You're going to love it. Um, and just be happy and excited that we're getting more yeah. Star Wars on TV because it's awesome. And remember that Star Wars can be fun. It's okay. It is okay. It, it should be fun, quite honestly. Uh, but we're going to go into my conversation now with Athena Portillo and Amy Beth Christensen. Star Wars Resistance, great show. Do check it out. You can find the show everywhere, website, socials at the GBB Podcast. You can find me at the Robots, and you can find Shiri at SW Sonheimer on Twitter and irate underscore Corvus on Instagram. Awesome. Take care, guys. Enjoy the conversation, and we'll see you next week. I guess when when did you each come on board with this show? How much of the story and the characters had already been developed when by the time you got attached? Well, the show we actually started the show in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so we came on board right in the very beginning, um, right before we started our story conference. Even um, Amy can talk more about it, but she was tasked to come up with some ideas for looks before we even had a story conference. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I have some artwork from 2015, actually. Wow, like the yeah, very end of, of 2015. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have to double check on that. But uh, yeah, it was super early. It was like uh, Filoni, Dave Filoni had come over and had said, um, you know, hey, you want to try this show out, like uh, have this idea for a show, um, start doing some drawings, start doing some artwork, uh, or be thinking about it. Um, so, so it was day one. It was day it was one. Really early, yeah. Wow. We did what we consider waves. We call them design waves. Um, we produced about four design waves that were already complete before we had our first story conference. And how I remember this is for the first story conference, we brought in a bunch of blackboards that had all the designs, um, attached and they were all categorized by characters, vehicles, props, and sets. 
Um, and I think we even brought in like the platform like model. Yeah, we actually had a, a scale, mo- a practical scale model that Bill George that Bill George Bill, created. Bill George created for us um, of the Colossus. Yeah, hmm. so we had that too. But yeah, it was it was it was really fun. It was a lot of really pie in the sky sort of uh, a lot of pilots characters. Just uh, here's some cool ships. Um, yeah. Just drawing a whole bunch of that. And kind of putting them on a board and seeing what was working and what wasn't was really fun. Mm-hmm. If so, if you were to go back and look at some of that concept art or those character designs from 2015, 2016, how much of that would be recognizable for what it finally became? And we're going to see in a couple of weeks on, on the air. It's actually really recognizable. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it survived. I mean, it evolved. It got a lot better for sure. But um, yeah, a lot of the characters and ships. Um, that yeah we're there on that that first pass that first sheet i think you know yeah. one of many but yeah um resistance is primarily targeting a, a younger art audience than i guess the previous shows or the films do necessarily um when did that sort of play into your development like what led to that decision and did you know that you were going to try to go for a slightly younger audience than we than you have in, had in the past it was something that we had been talking about for a while because we always felt like, you know, Lucasfilm Animation has the ability to produce different type of, you know, stories. And we thought it would be pretty cool to be able to gain a whole new audience of Star Wars fans. Um, so, but, but what's funny is even though we're all like in our, you know, 40s and everything, mm-hmm. I always say, well, this show is for six to 70 year olds, right? Because <laughs> um, I mean, it's like, I, I mean, I've been a Star Wars fan forever, so it's the kind of situation where I have so much fun watching these shows. So as an example, uh, we came in on a Saturday, and we reviewed all the episodes in context for continuity. And it was the kind of thing where even though it's for a younger audience, it's, it's a really good test to see that all of us, for like a good eight hours, never got like tired of watching our show. We were cracking up the whole time. Um, it is, it is lighthearted, but it's very, very funny, but there are a lot of like, you know, good lessons in the stories as well. So I know the families are going to love it because I, I love it already. And then here we're a family here in this division. And then when we watch it together, we're just constantly laughing. So I, I think it's going to be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you have a, like a, I guess a kid test audience or a focus group of kids that, that you would bring in during development just to make sure that it was, that was hitting that, that audience? Yes. And it was the first time I've ever been a part of a focus group test. And it was a great experience. It was for two days. Um, there were, I believe, four different groups of kids. And we learned so much from that. Um, one of the, one of the, actually, let's put it this way. So we were already, like almost complete with the Mao that you just saw, the movie of the week. Um, and one of the notes that came out of the focus group was that the kids just wanted to be reminded of what the mission was about, the mission mm. that Poe brought Kazan for. And they felt like, you know, within the, you know, almost 90 minutes of content, they felt like it wasn't uh, it didn't stick with them. So one of the notes was, can you please find a way to make sure that you're constantly reminding the audience of what the mission is about? So we actually took that to heart. We went back in. We did some dialogue changes. Uh, we reanimated a few scenes. Um, so we really take to heart what the kids had to say. The other thing, too, was because the kids are so young in this focus group, they said that you really didn't have to know Star Wars to learn to love this 
series. Mm. Um, so a lot of them had not seen the original Star Wars nor the prequels, um, and it didn't matter. They fell in love with all the characters. They 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 listed their favorites already. They liked the colors of the show. They loved the vehicles attached to the characters, to the pilots. So I felt like it was a really good experience overall. Mm-hmm. Was that something that you intentionally did, that you wanted this series to sort of stand on its own and didn't necessarily need to be tied so much to the existing continuity? Like kids could just sit down and not have to know who everybody was right off the bat? Um. For me, visually, and also just, I mean, I've been a huge Star Wars fan for 40 years now, um, so it was really important to hit all those Star Wars notes, but I think visually for me, um, what I really wanted, the feeling I wanted to get was, um, I was thinking about all of the animated series that I was completely like into when I was a kid, when I was that age, um, that was Transformers, G.I. Joe, Mask, um, nice. all those other shows in that genre. And I, I didn't want to be visually inspired by those shows necessarily, but I wanted to create designs that would make kids feel that same way about this show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it was kind of important for me to kind of like, you know, everything needs to look appealing and cool and get everybody in that age group and anybody, you know, their inner 12 year olds, like mm-hmm. <laughs> anybody who's still a kid at heart, like get excited about that show and those visuals. The, uh, the, just from what we've seen so far, the design of the show, the character designs, it's been drawing a lot of comparisons to anime. Did you find that that look, um, which is so different from both the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, did that look resonate with, with your test audiences and with the younger, younger kids? Yes, they actually love the fact that it looked different from what they had seen in the past, um, that it did, they actually, they weren't sure if it was 2D or 3D, um, which is like a huge test. And actually, we've even done that test to our own crew here in the very beginning where we would go into a screening room, we would pull up a design that ABC had created, and then we would pull up an asset that was done. um, And we would ask, all right, you guys, so which one's the asset and which one's the design? And everyone's like, uh, I I don't know. (laughs) It's like, that was like, Awesome! We passed the test because everything looks so like beautifully line drawn, and it just it just looks like 2D, but it's done in 3D. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. I mentioned Clone Wars and Rebels, and we're not going to talk about that. But they both both of those shows began by targeting a younger audience, I think. And as they continued, the stories got deeper. The storytelling seemed to target a slightly more mature audience. Should we expect something similar with Resistance, or do you think that you're going to carry this through with that younger audience in, in mind? We will always carry it through with a younger audience in mind, but obviously we have to be true to the storytelling because this takes place six months prior to The Force Awakens. So obviously we have to tell stories that lead up to what happens right when we, when we go right into the movies. Yeah. So we have to stay true to both. Is is the Force Awakens your endpoint? I mean, I'm not don't I'm not asking you to spoil anything, but is is that what you're keeping in mind as sort of an end, or are you thinking that you can carry these characters beyond that point? I say both. I'm going to answer both. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> How about, uh, yes. <laughs> What's the most on answer? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> Oh, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, Athena, I wanted to ask you a bit about your your history with the company because your bio reads a little bit like a fan's dream come true that you started out as an intern and now here you are heading up the newest Star Wars show. Um, what was your internship, I guess, first of all? That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> so I went to San Francisco State University with um, an emphasis in journalism for magazine writing. I've always loved the magazines. Um, and when I was there, I saw an internship posting for Lucasfilm to write for a newsletter out of the licensing division um, called Star Wars Newsletter. Uh-huh. And I'm like, ooh, this would be interesting. And plus, I love Star Wars, so let's let's give it a shot. And I didn't think at all I would be able to get the internship. Um, I know there's a lot of competition to get into the internships. Um, Hi, Hi, Filoni. What are you doing? Filoni's here. We're talking to geekdad.com. Oh, cool. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> this is Jamie. Hi, Jamie. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Filoni. I'm good. I've been trying to track you down. I've been trying to nail you down for an interview for the longest time. You're a, you're a slippery one. Oh, I'm so elusive. <laughs> so elusive. I'm like a shadow. Can you ask me how I got my interest? Oh, you go way back. Way back. You've been here a long time. Yeah. I, I found you somewhere in the building. Baloney found me in the building after yeah, this, with the Jedi license plate. So I actually, uh, I actually was working on a, a feature called Strange Magic at the time, mm-hmm. and um, Baloney would pop into my office because I was sharing an office with Colin Flevin. Yeah. And uh, Filoni would make fun of me because my license plate was Jedi 96. And he was yeah. like, why are you working on a show about yeah, fairies? Yeah, like, we need you. It's <laughs> like, obvious you knew Star Wars. I was like, I need you over here. I need someone that knows more Star Wars. And you do. So do your interview. Okay. Fun. Nice speaking with you. The same here. Thank you for the interview. <laughs> Bye, Filoni. Um, for, so for the internship, um, I... I, I lucked out and I got the internship and it was within the licensing division. Um, so I had an opportunity to meet a lot of cool people like Steve Sansweet. And um, yeah. Steve Sansweet um, knew I was into writing. So he had me write for the Star Wars Insider for a year. Um, so while I was in the licensing division, I uh, would volunteer my time to ILM when they were uh, working on the special editions um, at Kerner, the original location. And so then I got to meet those folks, and uh, I wanted to get into visual effects. So to make a long story short, internship started in 96. I was in licensing for four years, um, left for six years to pursue visual effects, and then I came back to animation in the, it was 2006. And that's where the Filoni story comes in, where he found me at my desk and would make fun of my license plate and said I was a nerd and I needed to go work with him on Clone Wars until he... <laughs> pulled me off the, the fairy show and put me on Clone Wars and I've been more of a nerd ever since. Excellent. So. No looking back <laughs> at that fantastic. point. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, Amy, your background though is in video games and um, as, as a concept artist though and as an artist in general, how does working in video games compare to animation? I think it's about the same because yeah, I worked at LucasArts for 11 years and I've been here for like about eight years now. Yeah. Um, and it's really the same. You're really just problem solving actually kind of at the end of the day, which I, I think it's really, you know, exciting to try to do that visually. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, you're, you're just trying to do the same thing, uh, just maybe some different problems or some different types of problem solving along the way. But, but it's really no different, I don't think. Yeah. 
Um, you both, as we've just clarified, you guys have both been there for a long time. You've worked around the company. You both worked on the two previous animated series. From a creative perspective, what are you taking from those experiences on those shows and using Unresistance? Um, that's a great question. It is a great question. <laughs> I have never asked that before. That's really good. <laughs> um, from a visual standpoint, I guess, that's probably the best way I can answer this question. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm drawing Star Wars for almost 18 years straight now, it's it's like, a, I, I feel like you've it's kind of, I've built up this, kind of visual library in my head uh sort of like uh, pieces uh bits and pieces of like you know where in sources of like a you know find out what originally inspired an x-wing design go back to that you know Mm -hmm. divide that up into its its pieces and, and parts and like build a new ship you know with the same inspiration um so it still feels very star wars so i think that i've just got the that 18 years of sort of what's working really good what's not working um and processes especially for a star wars visual language um and i feel like this show i've really gotten to you know kind of push that um and and you know really make all of that kind of come together it's been really a really fun challenge to come up especially with all of the racers and their ships and stuff it's it's been really fun to to try to design these ships that feel really unique and cool but still based in star wars Mm -hmm. from a production sense if i'm allowed to answer the question absolutely um i would say what i've learned is part of the reason why we actually created the design wave for this show is to allow the writers to have the opportunity to walk in with a library already of assets that they could just focus on writing their stories around. Um, because I know for this particular show, because we would be based out of a Colossus platform, we wanted to introduce multiple characters and we wanted to be able to create a world within its own. And sometimes the challenges that we experienced on Clone Wars and Rebels was just the amount of assets that we would create in different locations um, per, per episode, per season, even per act, per sequence. Mm-hmm. And this was something where what I've learned in production is just to find efficiencies. And we, we had the ability to do that in the fact that this time I was like, can we start development eight months prior mm-hmm. to starting this show as opposed to something less than that? So I felt like the key ingredient that I've learned out of this is you must develop at least a year prior to get to a point where you feel like your workflow is pretty smooth um, and you're not, you know, stressing anybody out in different departments and trying to keep things tight and lean. I wanted to find a way where people had the ability to be creative but still stay within the budget. That worked really well, too. Yeah. Were there... um... Uh, I mean, as fans, you guys have, you know, probably a, a super deep knowledge of, of the franchise and the characters and the creatures and the aliens and stuff. Were there specific things, whether they're, they were ships or, or, or an alien species that you really wanted to get into the series? Yes, and I think we did. <laughs> um, I, I love all Star Wars, so I, I, the thing I love the most about the show actually has been a really good place for, for all of our beloved alien species to sort of like from all the different eras, original, uh, prequel, and then new trilogies, uh, the new movies, it's, you'll find a little bit of all of those alien species and it's nice to have them all living and working together on the space. Um, so it's been really fun to sort of like, 
you know, grab your favorites from from all of the eras of Star Wars and and make them live and work together. It's been fantastic uh, for me visually and as a Star Wars fan. What's the name of the species that's Greville? Uh, Alina. Alinan? Mm-hmm. Alina, yeah. And was he in the pod races for episode yes. one? Yeah. Okay, so he is my favorite species. He cracks me up. So he's the one that's in the movie of the week that you saw mm-hmm. where he was giving Kaz trouble at the dartboard saying, pay up, kid. That's how many dollars that you owe me. How many credits? And it just reminds me of the 80s movie Better Off Dead when that one kid <laughs> on the bike is chasing after John Cusack and he's like, $2! You owe me $2! And that's just, I love that character. He yeah. Me up. Um, my, yeah, my personal favorites. I really liked from the, the new movies, I really liked Uncar Plutt a lot. So I, that was, Aunt Z was pretty much just a, if, if, I don't think they're exactly related, but I kind of like that idea of like what does Uncar Plutt's like bossy aunt look like. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I love Chadra fans, so Orca's the Chadra fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, probably Greville, the Alina. Yeah, I, that's, love I think Greville. that was my favorite. I want Greville guy. Halloween costumes. Yeah. I would wear that. <laughs> Have you <laughs> speaking of that though? I mean, have you guys seen any of the merchandising that's going to eventually be coming our way? I have not physically seen it. I know what's coming out. Not yeah. allowed to say it. Sure. And um, I know that internally they're preparing to show us. Um, so I'm actually I know. And he's like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm kind of excited. Yay. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing it myself. Cool. Yeah. That's exciting. Um, so I know that there are going to be a few. Um, actors, actresses that would be reprising their characters from the films, but can you say whether there might be other familiar voices popping up? I can say that, yes, there will be other familiar voices popping up. (laughs) (laughs) Carefully chosen words. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Aside from Resistance, because that's clearly the cheap answer, what are you guys both most excited for that's coming down the line, Star Wars related? Could be films, could be books, could be comics, anything. Whatever's coming down the pike on the horizon, what are you most excited to see? Um, Well, in relation to Resistance, I'm excited to see if they're, and I don't even know if this is happening, so if they're doing any kind of, like, comic books in relation to Resistance, that would be awesome. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they are. Um, You know, and then I'm excited with whatever Filoni is also working on, you know. (laughs) So he oversees everything. Um, and I know he's working on other projects as well. So I'm excited to see that because he's, you know, my big brother. So I can't wait to see, um, the product, obviously. I'm like really excited about that. <laughs> um, the episode nine. Yeah. Mine's episode nine. I, I, I'm, I can't wait to see how that one wraps up. That, that'll be really fun. Yeah. 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 yeah you and me both. Yeah. Athena and Amy, I know you guys have more interviews to do, so I really do appreciate your time. Thank you. This was awesome. Amy, thank you so yeah, much. Thank I you. appreciate your time as well. This has been the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us online at thegbbpodcast.com and on Twitter and Facebook at thegbbpodcast. Thanks again for subscribing and listening. We really do appreciate it. And until next week, I am Jamie Green, and you can find me at The Roarbots. Take care.